Hi, good morning. This is Melissa Groman, and I'm here today with Kathleen Adams, um, who is going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is writing. Kay is an LPC. She's a best-selling author, a speaker, a psychotherapist, a visionary, who indeed has pioneered journal therapy. She's written several very popular books, The Right Way to Wellness, A Workbook for Healing and Change, The Way of the Journal, Mightier Than the Sword, and Scribing the Soul. I love that title. Kay is also a beloved teacher whose innovative work has helped hundreds of thousands of people heal, change, and grow. She has a dynamic presentation style. She's clinically grounded, intuitive, engaging, and she is the voice of journal therapy at conferences, hospitals, mental health agencies around the world, and a tireless advocate for the healing power of writing. I love that. Kay is also a three-time recipient of the National Association for Poetry Therapy's Distinguished Service Award and has worked with many populations, um, diverse populations, HIV, AIDS, breast cancer, recovery, and trauma, and victims of violent crime, bringing the world of writing to them. So, Kay, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Melissa, and thank you so much for having me. I'm just delighted to be with you. So I wanted to start us off by just asking you a little bit about your own background and your own story and how it is that you entered into the world of writing, specifically journal writing, Mm, thank you for that question. I love, I love my roots in this work. I have known from the time I was a very small child that I wanted to be a writer when I grew up, and it's just one of those things. I knew I I I loved stories. I loved words. I learned how to read very early because my older sister, when she got to first grade, taught me <laughs> everything she learned that day. Um, she now has a doctorate in elementary education, by the way. Uh, so the, the coming into writing my own story was very natural to me. And when I was 10 years old, my favorite aunt gave me one of those little locking five-year diaries for Christmas. And I just loved it. I just felt like I had arrived and I was really a writer at last. So that took me through my, you know, the rest of my elementary school years. And then by the time I got to junior high and high school, I was ready to move into a little bit more depth than three lines a day. And I started really using my journal, uh, which I then wrote in a, they were called Big Chief Tablets back then. It was a tablet of newsprint. (laughs) And I loved writing on newsprint with a purple pen. Um, so I really went through all my adolescent drama and angst um, in my journal. By the time I was on the other side of that and really ready to start thinking seriously about deeper questions, I was in the habit of writing as a comfort, as a processing tool, as a receptacle of my life experience, of my thoughts and feelings, um, I was hooked, and then I did grow up to be a writer. I was uh, a public. I was work in publishing. Uh, I was an editor for a publishing company before I went back to school and became a therapist. So I was a professional writer, and um, 
when I started graduate school in 1985, some friends asked me if I would teach a little class on journal writing, and I said, what's to teach? Just open your notebook and start writing. And they said, no, that's, that's what you do, but we have a hard time with that. So I said, okay, come on over. We'll figure something out. And six of my friends sat on my living room floor. I had prepared for this by going through a lot of my old journals myself and looking at the question, how do I, you know, how, <laughs> how do I write a journal? And discovered that I had developed in my study of journalism and my study of creative writing and my work as um, editor for a, uh, a business publishing company, I had learned a lot of devices that I had brought over into my journal work. And there ended up being 21 different ways, 21 different techniques, writing techniques that I used in my journal writing that I gave them all little names and created a workshop that included practicing all of these 21 writing styles. And in those days called it Write On with an exclamation point because it was the 80s. Um, and six of my friends sat on my living room floor and acted like I knew what I was doing. And I knew immediately, this was my first semester of graduate school, in counseling, I knew immediately that the intersection of writing and healing was my work. And I have never looked back, and that was 30 years ago. <laughs> wow. Well, wow, 29 like years ago. 29 years ago. It's 30 years, 30 years next year. Yeah. It's so quite a it, career in journal yeah, writing. Yeah, and I, I remember in that summer before I started um, graduate school, I took that summer off and just you know, took it off because I knew I was going to be heading into a pretty intense transition. And I wrote in my journal, I had such a great summer. I remember writing in my journal, I don't really want to, to go back to work. I don't want to go back to school. All I want to do with my life is write in my journal and hang out with my friends. And that's worked out pretty darn well for me, actually. <laughs> I feel like that's what I do every day is write in my journal and hang out with my friends. So it's great to be hanging out with you today and and your friends. <laughs> yes, I'm. Well, I'm so glad you're you're here and we're talking about this because I think that a lot of um, people have the idea about journal writing that you know it you just you just say your feelings maybe or what if somebody reads it or will it really help yes. or some people find it. I have always found it um, so healing. And, yeah. But I think there's a lot of obstacles to opening a journal there's, and there's getting started. Yeah, yeah. So Can I was hoping some of those. I yeah. was hoping you would talk about some of those <laughs> yeah, as well as share them. some of your techniques. And as well, I'm going to throw it all at you at once. As okay, well as fine. you know, talk to us about why journaling and how it helps. You said beautifully just a few minutes ago the intersection of writing and feeling, and I'm thinking e even more so the intersection of writing and emotional pain, and specifically mm -hmm. journal writing. So yes, yes. yeah, let's let's hear mm -hmm. your your thoughts, please. Yeah, well. You know, I work with an awful lot of people who come to me in very, very deep emotional pain and who are feeling oftentimes hopeless and helpless and unable to think of a way out. And when I say very gently, um, a lot of people find that writing down your thoughts and feelings that are so disturbing and distressing 
can actually be useful, a very, very common response I get is, I don't want to open up that can of worms. If I start writing my pain, it will never end. It will be an, a river of pain that I will never be able to shut down. And I understand that. I really understand that. Um, and so one of the things that I've learned to um, incorporate, and we can talk about this a lot later, is some ideas about how to structure the process so that you can enter into it at your own pace without feeling like you're at risk. And we'll talk about those a little bit down the road. But just in terms of getting started, you know, one of the first things, for people who are, who are listening to this, who are already writing journals, bless you, congratulations. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing that you find a sense of release, relief, and um, insight and understanding and awareness. These are all of the things that happen when we write journals or that can happen. When we are writing intentionally and purposefully, and by that I mean when we kind of know what we want to gain from the experience and we are willing to try some things that will enhance the possibility that we can get there safely, then writing can be a companion, a friend, an endless supportive presence in your life. A journal is there at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's there when your therapist isn't. It's there when you're lonely and sad and scared. And a lot of people find that the companionship, the... the um, the intimacy, the healthy, positive relationship that they can forge with the page is actually helps us build internal strength, internal resilience, a sense of self-acceptance because, after all, what is a journal but ourselves on the page? And so when we can say, well, I'm so angry and it's okay for me to be angry because somebody did a really bad thing, um, that clarity, that understanding, that honesty can be a very significant building bridge to um, building block to soothing and comfort and you know just feeling more of what we would like to be feeling instead of the constant agony and pain. So... Um, so I don't know if I'm really answering <laughs> the question. Let's get let's yes, hone you, in you, on that. You you definitely are, and you know I I can say that there have been times in my life where um, there's been something going on or something I've been going through where I have carried my journal around with me during the day as if mm-hmm. it's like my secret friend. You know exactly. that there is a place for me to be and to be mm-hmm. with myself. That's mm-hmm okay, and that I don't have to necessarily commit to what I'm writing. I just have to let it be there with me. Exactly, exactly. I love what you were saying there, Melissa, about I don't have to commit to what I'm writing because Walt Whitman, the great American poet, has this this set of lines in his epic poem, Song of Myself, in which he kind of drops back from his whatever it is that he's been writing about. Um, And then he 
has, as you say, you know, another thought that he isn't quite committed to, and he drops back and says, do I contradict myself? Well, then, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. That's that's beautiful. You know, that it, it's a way of, of evolving oneself also. Yes, yes, and of knowing what we think. Knowing what we think. Um, the, the novelist, Dean Forster, said, how do I know what I think until I see what I say? And that is part of what the journal offers us. It offers us a way to read our own minds and to also read our hearts and our souls and to be and to practice just saying out loud in silence, (laughs) saying out loud in silence to the page what we have been scared to say or ashamed to say or um, too mad to say or to whisper the first little stirrings of a dream or a vision we might have for what we want to do in the future, what we want to, you know, a goal that we might have. These are all ways of coming into relationship with ourselves. And we all know that in order to be, you know, really happy, it starts inside. You have to, you have to be willing to be an advocate for yourself if you want to, um, you know, develop a sense of of um, having more of what you want in the world. It's, you know, kind of an inside job. So the journal is a place where we can come to know ourselves at a deeper level, um, at a more authentic and honest level. And for many people, um, particularly women, I think, although this is also true for men, I've worked with a lot of men and their journals, and this isn't just exclusive to women, but for a lot of women, the idea of having a voice and finding our voice and having something to say and not being afraid or ashamed to say it is um, a remarkably, powerfully healing process. Yeah, you know, also it's, it's occurring to me as you're speaking that nobody argues back when you're journaling. That's you exactly know. right. That's Nobody exactly tells right. you, no, that's mm-hmm. not how you feel, or you shouldn't think that, or that's not okay to say. You mm-hmm. know, there's just you and mm-hmm. you. But I think that mm-hmm. sometimes that is part of the resistance mm-hmm. that some of us have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a fear that, of that, and, and just to toss this in, that what if somebody reads it? I think some of us right. think, oh, yes. what am I going to do yes. with this journal? Yeah, let me let me let me come back to that question. I just want to piggyback on something you said earlier about there's no one to challenge us or criticize us in the journal. That that is also for some people kind of a staged thing because the voice of the inner critic can come through loud and clear or the voice of uh whoever it was that told you that you can't possibly talk about this or, you know, the world will explode. Um, those those voices that are pretty deeply embedded in us can rise up. And so then it becomes a process. And sometimes what I suggest to people is um, if you find that you are having those kinds of voices coming up and, and starting to interrupt the process or the concentration, if you're working in a notebook, a handwritten journal, and it doesn't really matter whether you write on computer, um, but if you are writing in a handwritten, save the 
save one side of the page for just those voices. I mean, just write on the right-hand side of the page and save the left-hand side of the notebook or the tablet um, or, or use the margin if you're writing on blank paper or whatever. For just, just you know, um, inner critic says, I can't possibly do this, and I say, never mind. And then just keep writing. You know, just make a note so that that aspect of yourself isn't so competitive for attention, and then just keep writing whatever you're writing. That can be yeah. kind of a, a handy parking lot for those you know, Sorry, I was just jumping right in about that. That well, idea please. is so powerful, and I think it goes, you know, it, it goes beyond even journal writing for us. That sometimes those negative voices, and there's lots of names mm-hmm. for them—the disease, the disorder, mm-hmm. the dragon, whatever. However, we're framing that inner critic, mm-hmm. you know, and it really gets in the way. And sometimes we have to talk back, but sometimes we have to do exactly what you said, which is just say, mm-hmm. yeah, I hear you. You're, sit down and mm-hmm. be quiet. I'm going to write yeah. anyway. Have, have, have some tea. <laughs> have some tea. I'll get back have, to you later. <laughs> yes, I love that. Have a cup of tea. I'll get mm-hmm. back to you later. I've got I've to keep writing, you know. And mm-hmm. yeah. um, I yeah. think that that is so beautiful that it doesn't have to impede us. We don't have to struggle with it or be dictated by it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to get in the way. We can mm-hmm. hear it and let it yeah. yap and keep going. And, and, and another thing, and I am going to get to the question about privacy and how to protect it, but the um, the other thing that is so powerful about this this whole process is the way that we can come into dialogue not only with ourselves but also with these aspects of self, with these circumstances of our lives. So there's a really popular technique that was um, originated by Dr. Ira Progoff, who I consider to be the founder of the journal therapy movement. And it's called Dialogue, and it's just a written conversation where you write both parts. So when you say to your inner critic or your, your disease or your disorder or your dragon um, uh, or the scary monster on the, on the left-hand side of the page, I'll get back to you later, just I know I hear you, but I'm not going to pay attention to you right now. The other thing that you might do as a follow-up is to just sit down with this, whatever you call it, and say, hey, what's going on with you? I noticed your voice when I was writing. And then just make it up. I mean, just sort of like don't switch hands with your pen or anything. I mean, you don't have to write with your other hand, which um, maybe we'll talk about that too. But just sort of take a deep breath and listen for something that this thing might say back to you. And the point here, one of the really important things is to enter into, you know, I talked about intentional and purposeful. The way that you are intentional and purposeful about this is to make an agreement with yourself internally that this will be, if not a productive or insightful conversation, at least a civilized one. So this is not the place where inner critic gets to yammer, yammer, yammer about how, you know, bad and dumb and all that you are, this is the place where you agree that you're going to have a civilized conversation that probably will lead to deepened understanding and awareness. And this then becomes the metaphoric field for saying, you know what, I just don't like to be talked to like that. And I don't have to be anymore because I'm old enough now that I can say no. Yeah, you know, that is so key because it's not you know it's not just the, as if the journaling weren't enough of a gift which it is in and of itself but it is a way to help work with your mind 
yes. to get to that as a mm-hmm. model for not being run by the mm-hmm. dragons and run mm-hmm. by the disease mm-hmm. and the disorder and the addiction or the obsessions or whatever these, you know, in, these longings and callings that lead us to not healthy places and block us, that through the act of just sitting with ourselves, we help train our minds yeah. to not be run by them in our lives. Yes, yes. Very much in the same way that mindfulness meditation or just mindfulness in general is kind of a big buzzword right now. It's like when you stop, take a deep breath, and just pay attention to what's going on, that becomes a very powerful process, but it is intangible and ephemeral. As soon as you open your eyes and start breathing shallowly again, you have the memory of what happened, and hopefully it has been, you know, over time it accumulates and integrates and you actually do begin to change. When you write it down, it is actual, it is tangible, it is concrete. You have taken a thought form or an internal experience and you have translated it into words on paper or pixels on screen and it exists outside of you which is a really kind of cool thing when you think about it because it means that we get to, you know, we hear a lot about change your thinking, change your life, and you create your own reality, you know, by the power of your thought and these kinds of things. And I don't mean that literally, that anybody creates their own reality of of tragedy or trauma or illness or anything else. I mean, that's not... It's it's supposed to be a positive psychology kind of thing. But you actually do create something when you write it down. You create something that didn't exist before. And so that kind of philosophical place can also open up some some realms. But I want to get back to your question about privacy. Um, Very, very common experience to wonder and worry about whether or not someone might read this. And I think it's a very um, smart question to be asking yourself if you're in this process because we definitely want to take whatever steps we can to make sure that people don't um, invade our privacy and read our journals without permission. And I've heard many, 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 many stories over the years. I've had that happen to me personally. You know, it's, it's just a yucky feeling. So rather than just decide it's too risky and you better not try it at all, I would recommend that you think about it in some specific ways. And the first specific way is really, again, more of an internal thing than, a, than an external thing. But I never begin a new volume of a journal without saving the first two or three pages um, as blank initially before I actually start writing. On the first page, and I'm talking about the first page that the book opens to, because sometimes if you're in a bound book or a Mead notebook or something, the first page is kind of glued to the inside cover, and it it goes more with the cover than it does with the rest of the pages. So find the, the first page that the book naturally opens to and use that as a title page. And it can be my personal journal, or you might want to give it a name, Daphne, or you might want to give it a different name, you know, the um, the story of my uh, job search or whatever it happens to be. And then um, I always put a notice on the bottom that says, this is my personal journal. Please do not read it without 
my permission. I really mean it. And then I turn the page, and on the next page, which is also left blank, I often write, as I was saying, please don't read this. That isn't going to stop anybody who is determined to invade your privacy, but it does give yourself a clear and compelling message that you are willing to stand up for your own right to have private thoughts and feelings and ask that your privacy be respected. And again, it seems like such a simple thing, but for women particularly, men too, but particularly women who have not had their boundaries respected, who have not had their personal space um, treated with, with respect, it's a powerful statement to just say, I have boundaries and this is where they live. This is one of the places where they live. Having done that, the very next practical step is to, you know, so that's the inside step. The outside step is don't leave your book laying around. Or if you're writing on computer, this is great. I mean, a lot of people these days are keeping their journals digitally, and it's really wonderful that <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of evaluating the research for, I'm writing up a research paper on um, doing a little research study on digital journaling um, with a colleague of mine, Nathan Oren, who in November uh, did a, no, I'm sorry, in October, did a 30-day digital journaling challenge, and there were like 1,600 people from all over the world who participated in this 30-day write a journal on your computer or on a software program for 30 days and you know, just see, see if you can write as deeply on the computer as you can by hand. And the results are in, and they're fascinating. So digital journaling, you know, you can make it every bit as effective writing on the computer. You don't have to lose anything. The benefit for privacy purposes is that you can password your files. You can write on the cloud. You, I've had clients who have started new email accounts, Yahoo accounts or Gmail accounts and under a name, <laughs> and they log on to that account and write themselves their journal in, you know, to themselves from that account to that account with a password that nobody would ever be able to guess unless you, you know, have a hacker in the family. And it's completely so it's not traceable to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I never would have thought of that. I love yeah. that idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have clients who write their entire journals on flash drives and then just wow. keep them in their in their pockets or their purses or on a lanyard around their necks, and their journal is with them all the time. You know, you can. There's wonderful cloud-based um, journal software that is. Um, one I love is Journal to Health. Dot com, journal2health.com, and the other one I love is lifejournal.com. And those are two programs that are cloud-based, um, they're password protected, they're, they, there is a charge involved, both of them have free trials, but very reasonably priced um, and very affordable. And they're wonderful programs for, and they both have a lot of features that help you feel like you're actually writing on the page. But they're searchable, there's, you know, I mean it's they're password protected. It's really um 
there's a lot of ways to get started. So don't leave your journal lying around. If you need to keep it with you at all times, if you need to keep it in your book bag or in your car or in your backpack, um, do it. I had, a, I had a college student one time who came to me and he was um, he was concerned he was living at home and he was concerned that he said I I think my mom would want to read my journal to find out if I was doing drugs and I am doing drugs but I don't want her to know that <laughs> and he said and I don't write about doing drugs but anyway it was um, I said well how you know how do you think you might do this and he pulled this old beat up tattered um, bent up spiral notebook with a bright blue cover on it and he, he's and it had in magic marker on the front it said chem notes chemistry ah, notes that's great and he said he said I, I flunked this class last term and so most of this notebook is still available I don't think my parents would read my chem notes <laughs> so he kept his journal in a notebook called chem notes so you can do things like that. Just get creative about how you're going to protect your own privacy. What about writing really sloppily in a way that only you can read? Oh, yeah. that If you have bad handwriting, this is like a built-in privacy protector. Absolutely. You know, people say, oh, I can't write a journal. Nobody can read my handwriting. I'm like, that is so great for you. Right. <laughs> Nobody can read your handwriting because, you know, yeah, you could write sloppily. If you know a foreign language, you could write certain words in a foreign language. I mean, you can, you can kind of, oh, and one thing, this I love. I learned this from an art therapist friend. Um, if you have a really um, big story to tell, but you are absolutely clear that you do not want it written or reviewed, read by anybody else, you can write your story and then paint over it, make a collage over it, bury it under some art, and that way it's your secret. You've written it down, you've right. told your story in writing, but it's you know, your secret. I, also occurring to me as you say that, that you could tell your story um, in a fictional way. If you really, Absolutely. You know, oh, a lot so of fiction cool. writers do that, right? They just they do, say, guess they do. what happened uh -huh. to Jane? <laughs> And exactly. Jane is very, or this is my attempt at a first novel. <laughs> you write yeah, that on you know, the top of the page. <laughs> really, and you know what? That is that is such a great idea, and it works. Right. Um, there has been a lot of research about how writing helps us heal, and what sort of writing helps us heal, and what you know that whole evidence-based research piece. But one of the most interesting studies, and almost all of the studies go into a there's a protocol that um, it's called the Pennebaker paradigm after James Pennebaker, who's the research psychologist who started all this. But anyway, essentially it's, it's four structured rites over the period of a week or every day for four days or whatever. Um, and, and then there's been all these variations on the theme. Well, one of the variations was a woman named Melanie Greenberg who did a study in which Instead of having people, and all the early Pennebaker studies had to do with write about an experience that was either traumatic or deeply stressful or that you have a hard time talking about, you know, something that's just really difficult and challenging and hard. And so people would write for four days about this difficult experience and then, you know, they would feel better and they would get better and their blood work and other 
physiological markers would indicate that they had had physiological change and emotional. Um, they would report emotional shifts as well. Melanie Greenberg's study looked at what if people don't write about their own trauma, but instead write about a fictional trauma. And so she constructed these horrific scenarios <laughs> and said to her test groups, Choose something from this list that is nothing like anything you've ever experienced yourself. And then write about it as if you were that person who was experiencing it. And they got the same results. Wow. So what you're saying about fiction can be so true. And I, you know, really... There are an awful lot of first novels out there, and probably second and fifteenth and everything else, where the but particularly first novels, where the intention, as you said, is was was for healing to to you know to tell their own story in a way, and I've done that. Um, I I had a really um, bizarre um, experience several well probably twenty years now that um, I couldn't, I got kind of um, defrauded. I was, I, I, I was betrayed by someone who um, took advantage of me in a pretty substantial way, and I just could not figure out, you know, I mean, I was just obsessed with this story, that how did this happen to me? I'm a smart <laughs> woman, I'm a therapist, I mean, how did I, how did this get by me? Anyway, the only way that I could, after about nine months, I realized that I was going nowhere in my journal except in a loop. And so I took this short story writing class with a short story author that I really admired. And six months later, I had crafted a 30-page fictional accounting of this experience that, that made me feel immediately as if I had mastery. Wow. I felt like I knew all the answers that I didn't know before, and I was done. You know, and by the time I finished that process, which was again months, um, I was really sick of the story. <laughs> I was really proud of the. I was proud of the creative experience that I had created out of it, and I was done. I felt healed. It was Amazing. really quite remarkable. Yeah, I really you know, and I like, really share that, and I. I think it's just another example of how we can have um, terrible experiences and suffer from emotional pain mm-hmm. and yeah. use the tool of writing to open our hearts and minds mm-hmm. and not close them mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. transform those experiences, even if we think no one in the world understands or will never get past it, mm-hmm. or again, the dragon of why, why did this happen to me and how do I understand yeah. this and make sense of it, and that journaling opens those doors and the, the journaling led to you know a, a fictional experience but it wasn't fictional there's still parts of us in those stories mm-hmm. and that yeah you know and i want to just because i'm i'm looking at our time and i think oh, oh no we could talk all day and i want to <laughs> i want to make sure that we get to some of your um mm-hmm. 21 tips and maybe just right. a yes. little bit about yes. those tips particularly when it comes to trauma yes. Yes. i don't want to miss out on your yeah. Well, I have you. No, no, that's that's good. That's good. Let's let's shift. Um, and I will segue into this by saying the third piece of the privacy thing. After you know, after claiming your interior 
right to privacy and claiming your exterior request for privacy. The third piece about privacy is if there is any risk, if you feel at emotional or physical risk by something you have written, buy a shredder or you know, get a burning bowl and some matches. You don't have to keep what you wrote. I think it's better to write and shred than it is to not write at all. It's a more empowering thing. I love that. Yeah. Having yeah. said that, um, when I have worked with people who have had a lot of um, uh, who have a lot of tenderness about you know some very difficult life experiences or traumatic life experiences or you know kind of chronic things that are that are challenging um, to them, I really like to invite the concepts of structure, pacing, and containment. So structure is about the form, the orderliness, the way that it you know fits on the page. So a list is a lot more structured, for instance, than a free write where you just sit down, open your book, and your pen starts moving, and you don't know where you're going, and you don't know where you're going to end up. So structure is a really important thing. If you're just starting out and it's feeling scary, Think about ways you can structure. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Pacing is the way that it moves up and down, in and out, the length of time that you're writing, the intensity, the depth that you're writing with. If it starts to get scary, if it starts to get, if you start to feel a little wobbly, take a break. Don't write or set a time limit. Set, you know, I'm going to write for 10 minutes and then I'm going to stop. I'm going to write for one page and then I'm going to stop. And that bridges right into containment, which is um, containing it. So writing for shorter periods of time, writing for littler units, just a paragraph, just a page, just whatever. So structure, pacing, containment are three ways that you can help build in safety from the very beginning. And the most simple technique, the one that is the most structured, the most paced, and the most contained that I know is sentence stems, like right now I feel, or what I want, mm -hmm. or the most important thing to do, or um, what's going on. Right. So a sentence stem, to just ask yourself a question or start a sentence and then just finish it and put a period at the end of it and you're done. That's a journal entry right there. Yeah. If, you asked, if you started with the same sentence stem, the most important thing that I can do for my own health and recovery today is, and you finish that with one word or one phrase every day for two weeks, you would notice something happening. Wow. You really Again, would. Again, that's and I, your relief, release, and insight. Yes. Yep. 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 It happens yep. if you just mm -hmm. get mm -hmm. started. And if you're stuck, mm -hmm. then use the structure. Yeah, use structure, absolutely. Ask yourself one question and then answer it in one sentence. What do I need today? I need to take breaks. I need to pack a good lunch. I need to um, have a hug. And then you have that as an intention. You set the intention. You start learning about keeping agreements with yourself and learning how to trust that that inner voice will lead you and guide you to a place that you want to be. So another really, really good opening for people who are trying to structure, pace, and contain their writing is this little device that I call the five-minute sprint. And as the name suggests, you set your timer 
on your clock, on your um, oven, on your cell phone, whatever it is. Set your timer for five minutes. Hit the page. Don't stop until the timer goes off. And then really do stop. Because when you write for five minutes and you know you only have five minutes, a couple of things might happen. First, um, when we know <laughs> that we only have five minutes, the bottom line kind of rises up to meet us and you can get an amazing amount of writing done in five minutes if you know you only have five minutes. And the other thing that's really cool about five-minute sprints is that they take five minutes. And just about everybody could theoretically agree that somewhere in the course of a day, of a 24-hour day, they could find five minutes to write. And if it's not, if five minutes feels like too much, back it up to sentence stems. Write one word or one sentence. You know, and again, what's so gorgeous about this is that it's a means in and of itself, journaling, because of the relief and the insight and the being able to get whatever's in there out in a way that's healthy and good and, and insight-oriented. But it's also a way of working with the mind at the same time. And as we're mm-hmm. talking, it's coming so clear to me because a lot of the women that I work with who are suffering from emotional pain have feelings of chronic failure and chronic mm-hmm. emptiness and mm-hmm. feelings of not being able to accomplish anything, having no success, no worth. And if you set your timer for five minutes and you do a sprint, you've accomplished something. That is a victory. That is yes, a success. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you yes. did that, and that matters, yes. and it counts. And the mm-hmm. dual gift of it is just so mm-hmm. gorgeous. It really is. And one, another, just one last technique to throw in, and there's like a billion more. But um, a list of three. That's a very, very short, structured write. It takes about less than a minute usually to write a list of three. Three things I'm grateful for today. Three things I want to get done today. Um, three things uh, that I would like to write about if I had, you know, if, if I could take five minutes later on in the day, I want to talk, I, some, some things I want to write about. Three anythings, three times I experienced beauty, three times I um, felt close to someone, you know, three things I want or need, anything like that. That is a short, structured list, and, and particularly when you can give yourself measurable, doable tasks, three things I want off my list today. I want to write an email to one person, I want to make my bed, and I want to um, take a walk. And I always put make my bed on my list of things I want to do because I always make my bed and so I know I'm going to succeed and I get to check one off right away. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's great. If anybody else did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so those are those are kind of. I know we have to wrap up, and I'm, I, I wish know. we had more time. But Me um, too. so I just want to end with one last thing, if I can, if I can make one sure. last point. At the end of a write, whatever it is, even if it's just a sentence stem, I think the turbocharger for the journal process is what I call the reflection write, and that is, you know, most of this because the journal is such a living, breathing document. Um, and a present-day document, present-tense document, we just turn the page and we don't ever go back. But rereading what you have written and harvesting it for insight is one of the most powerful things we can do. So the reflection right looks like 
adding a couple of minutes to the end of, if you're going to write for five minutes, plan on spending seven minutes. Finish writing at five minutes. Reread what you've written and give yourself just a sentence or two of feedback that might sound like, as I read this, I am, and then you finish that sentence starting with, I am aware of, I'm curious about, I notice, I feel, I wonder, um, you know, I could get into action by anything that fits. But just that little sentence or two of awareness at the end of the right can be a powerful synthesizer. Okay, now yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I'll be quiet no. now. <laughs> no, you know, I just, and I was thinking about all the, the all the other questions I have that are going to be put on hold maybe to be continued, you know, especially yeah. about, but I think that the whole point of, and you say this, is, um, you know, accessing the quiet knowledge inside of you. Yes. And yes. if we can turn, you know, to writing even, and I know it in the heat of the moment it's hard, you know, if we feel like, especially for my listeners who are, you know, set to binge or self-harm or, mm-hmm. you know, if we can mm-hmm. grab the pen before we open the fridge or grab the pen before we grab a, a, a razor, you know, if we mm-hmm. if we can reach just mm-hmm. to delay ourselves, to know ourselves, to unpack those things in mm-hmm. all these ways that you're describing, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if the voices are saying don't or you can't or it'll be red or, you know, mm-hmm. we can tell them, like you said, have a cup of tea. I'm going to I'm gonna open my mm-hmm. journal. Mm-hmm. You know, what a, what a yeah. better life, you know. What a better life. And to just open the journal and say, what could I do instead? What, 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 in what other way could I meet this deep need? Right. And, and I mean, yeah. And then and then answer that with, you know, ideally some <laughs> some healthier ways to healthier who can ways. I call, what can I do, what can I read, what can I, you know, what do I need? Yeah, and what do just I really need? To practice right that. What do I need? Yeah. And to access it and practice it, and it may seem impossible in the moment, but like you said, you know, you start yeah. out with these small structure things if the whole yes. big picture seems too much, and those just the reach is a success, and it just. You know, I really, we do have to wrap up painfully. So mm-hmm. I know, I, I know, I know. I want to just, um, you know, clarify for myself and my readers, the be- uh, my listeners, the best way to find you on the web is through journaltherapy.com. Yes, journaltherapy.com or my email address directly is kay at journaltherapy.com if people have specific questions. Uh, okay. But yeah, journaltherapy.com, which is going to have a facelift and it will be. Um, beautiful, more beautiful in um, about January or February, uh, but that will be that's definitely the best place to. Uh, to We've got book, a bookstore up there if you're interested in books. Um, the structured workbook that I wrote that has to do with structure, pacing, and containment is called The Way of the Journal, and you can get it used on Amazon or you can order it through our website, or it's probably way cheaper on the used bookstore market on Amazon. Good. Well, um, I'm going to put a link right next to our um, our audio on on recovery, yes, hope, and healing. So um, sure. it'll just be up there also. But um, so people can can find you and continue to to learn or mm-hmm. go deeper into the art of journaling or just the the beauty of journaling. Mm-hmm. And I just can't thank you enough for joining me today and having this talk be out in the world. And oh, I'm so glad to do it, Melissa. You're doing such wonderful work, and congratulations on your new book. That's such thank a you. huge thing. And um, so thank you again so much, and I look forward to uh, 
perhaps talking with you again for part two. Right. Me too. Likewise. Okay. I'm going to turn off our recording and thank you again for being with us. Okay.